Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. And I am Lance. Today we're going to talk about some film news. We're going to do a full review of Noah Baumbach's While We're Young. Before we get to all that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us about the show and the things that we talk about. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MFN Podcast. And you can search for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook and Vine to find us there. 248-7335-MFN or 248-7335-6363. You can give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and we might play it on the show and talk about it. And Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can purchase things from Amazon and have part of your purchase make its way to us at no extra cost to you. Also, the Summer Movie Wager is upon us. Please check out the rules at bit.ly slash MFNSMW15. Or you can go to MidwestFilmNerds.com and find the article on there. I also posted it on our Facebook. Please go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so far, there are zero submissions, which is like 20 people less than last year. So I'm excited. <laughs> Before we get to all of that, it's a little bit of feedback follow-up from last week. Yes. Uh, Nick wanted to to follow up with, with Nancy's email that, that was read last week. Have we received one in the interim? Has she sent anything new? No, and, and, okay. and Nancy kind of, uh, sometimes she's on a delay, so she may not get to this one for a little. I think she's a busy person. This she is like has... a message in a bottle. It'll take a while. Yeah, it gotcha. might find its way down there at some point. Like there's, there's a camera I should turn to. <laughs> this will be the point where I turn into a different camera. No, um, I think immediately Alex mentioned Nancy's feedback last week, and I immediately was like, oh, good. <laughs> and just very like aggressive and probably more angry sounding than I was because I wasn't at all. <laughs> it's just kind of an inside joke now between Alex and I because yeah. Nancy has sent in a couple pieces of feedback, and she's always like, I agree with Alex and wholeheartedly disagree with Nick. <laughs> so it was almost kind of kind of an inside joke, but um, I hope that she doesn't think I'm like, yeah, don't ever send anything to us again. Because no, please do. I'm, honestly, yeah. you agree with me all the time. Well, yeah, yeah we don't need any more of that. No. But the, the, uh, it's good to have feedback, and Nancy's is always like everybody who sends feedback to us is always very like very nice and like, oh, I love the show, or you know, Tim is very funny, that kind of thing. <laughs> But Nancy is always singles in on something we talk about yeah. and actually bothers to like relate to something and brings brings personal perspective to it, which I think yeah. is really interesting. Because I remember uh, on our conversation about uh, the one I love, which was the three of us actually, for that episode, um, she agreed yeah, so Tim much with there, you, yeah, right? Uh, I would, well, I wasn't there for the actual episode, but I was there for. The, oh, uh, you just talked about the a later retrospective. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, you're right. It was, it was Tim. It was Tim. Yeah. Um, but Nancy brought a very like kind of not really personal, but she like felt uh, her message kind of had this, the sense that she could like relate in some way. And it was, yeah. it was nice to hear that, that when someone else can tie an experience to a movie like that, it's uh, it's cool. And it's cool to hear somebody else agree. So it's beautiful. Cause I don't have to bring any evidence to much to support my arguments when Nancy writes in, cause she True. just does it for me. Well, so <laughs> it's, uh, this just in Alex is phoning in the podcast forever. <laughs> 
All of Alex's emotions are a lie. Nancy, please go see while we're young and let me know what you think about it. Yeah, so. I'm actually really, really looking forward to see what she has to say. So, I, yeah, I think it's I, it's a Nancy movie. Yeah, she tends to really weigh in on like the life one, the ones that actually have to do with like life. Yeah. So that that's very cool. Life is now. Life is now. It. Yeah. So thank you, Nancy. Yeah, we weren't yes. we weren't being mean, but I, I did as soon as soon as I I prompted you because I was like, yeah, he, he had a little twinkle in his eye when he said it too. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm easily baited like that. That's why I'm still doing this podcast. There you go. All right. Uh, so we'll move on to some film news. First up, we got some news that after not appearing at Star Wars Celebration, supposedly because he was sick. Josh Trank has left the second Star Wars standalone film, which is all we've also heard rumblings that it was about Boba Fett. But I think even a little bit more con- uh, confirmation came after he left with a few stories being like, yeah, it's, it's centered around Boba Fett being like a Boba Fett origin film. Uh, what do you guys think? Lance, what are your thoughts on Josh Trank, director of uh, Chronicle and Fantastic Four, the forthcoming Fantastic Four? Oh yeah, um, forthcoming. Forthcoming. Fan for enforce. It replaces the A somewhere. <laughs> yeah, fan force for some reason. <laughs> um, Josh Trank, uh, you are. I don't know. I've only seen one of your films, and I th- I liked it. So, but like, I'm I'm really we- weirded out sometimes about the the studios picking these small directors to take on these big franchises, yeah. and it's like it's like come on, you know, like like they're kind of like. You know, you give the guy the reins at this big, this big thing. You're gonna get yourself a Godzilla situation. You know, yeah. Gareth Edwards Godzilla. Um, Explain that. Um, just, <laughs> just like you know, like, like if you watch like monsters, I love monsters more than anyone else. I think the movie or just the in general, you love monsters. I love both. Okay. Both <laughs> monsters under my bed. Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. Um, monsters Ball. Monster Squad. <laughs> Little Mon- monsters. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> anything related to monsters, yes. But monsters directed by Gareth Edwards. Uh, if you watch the uh, special features, he always he's talking about how he likes working on small films because it gives him the freedom to, you know, do more, a lot more improvisation. You know, the crew sure. kind of bothers him. And w- so once I saw all those special features, I was like, yes, very good. You are one of my favorite directors now. But then all of a sudden, news comes out. Godzilla. You're doing Godzilla, a huge big budget film with tons of crew, tons of big actors. And it's like, I don't think you're ready for this, dude. Like, I wouldn't be ready for that. I don't think I would make that big of a jump, you know? Yeah. So Josh Trank making Chronicle, which is, it was an effects heavy film, had a lot of good ideas to it, a lot of good camera work, I would say, for what, you know, for what the idea of the film was. But, you know, giving him, yeah, it was compact. It was small. It was small. And Star Wars is not small. No. So well, but you're kind of skirting around the stepping stone, which we haven't seen yet. That is Fantastic Four. Oh, okay, like yes. yeah, the dark, the darkness <laughs> that they're embracing. <laughs> we we were kind of, I think, <laughs> kind of assuming that maybe Disney had the poll to be like, let's see some of them dailies or something like that, and and maybe saw something, and maybe he had an idea for the story. But there's actually a really nasty article. Yeah. out there have yep. you read it yep oh it's hilarious yeah about about how josh trank basically is left the fantastic four in a mess kind of yes and and maybe that's what kind of pushed him off of mm-hmm. star wars which you know it just sounds like maybe he's not he stepped up too quickly you're totally right lance but i am but 
from from the creative standpoint, it's like, yeah, he's pretty unproven with the bigger franchises. And it's not like Fantastic Four is a small one. It's not like it's... But between Monsters and Star Wars, Fantastic Four is somewhere in the middle, you know? In my opinion. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. It should be, like, bigger if it were in the right hands and probably, you know, done well. But we don't know. Nick, you got any thoughts? Yeah, here's the thing. And I said this before, and I don't think it was actually on the podcast where I was talking about how directing a movie is really... Oh, it was at the table. It was just after we finished. See, listen, everybody, I'm so much better at talking about movies (laughs) when I'm not doing it right here. Nancy. Like all, yeah, Nancy, I swear. You would agree with me so much more if we were just chatting over Alex's dining room table. Because I have more time, the pressure's not on. I can just, it can unravel and we can get that real synergy going. So I we had, need, I had we need this to thought, do a three hour giant bomb cast. Oh, I, it would be so good. Um, <laughs> or but really, I had, really, really terrible. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, but I, I said, because I was talking about Avengers Age of Ultron, and mm. I said directing a movie is just really, really, really hard. And I don't think the average moviegoer understands how difficult it is being the director and just how everything weighs on you. And every single person on that crew, literally, the crew, the studio, the cast, everyone turns to you and says, what do I do? And that's like an immense amount of responsibility. And there are men who simply are not built for it. And I was talking about how I, I enjoyed uh, Joss Whedon's smaller movies, and I don't think he's a big-budget director. And that's totally fine. And this actually, this exact uh, thesis I'm stating right now is going to come into play with the movie we're going to talk about, uh, Life is Now. And I think that some people just aren't, aren't made for some of the roles they get, they get groomed for. And I think that with Josh Trank, that's probably super-duper true. Because I'm pretty sure Chronicles is his only movie. And it's fine. Yeah. It's not great. I mean, because in the group text, the, the day they announced he was leaving, Gojo was like, wow, that's crazy. Why would he leave? I was like, dude, Homeboy got fired. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> yeah, he right. goes you think so? I was like, choice. 100%. I would bet real money he got fired. And he's like, why? And I'm like, you don't walk away from a Star Wars movie. Yeah. You don't go, I don't know if this legendary franchises for me. <laughs> and he's so, yeah, without being, he has no reputation. Like exactly. Edgar Wright had a reputation and he was like, okay, this is not for me. I'll right. Exactly. Else. And he's smart enough to know better. I think he's been, he's been around the block a couple times, but Josh Trank and then, and then the story came out and all this, if you read it, it's on the Hollywood reporter. It's hilarious. And it's basically the studio just totally not backing their director at all or being mm-hmm. like, well, you know, uh, it was just creative differences. They're just hanging him right, th- right the hell out to dry. And I loved it because I'm, I, as soon as he got hired, I was like, I'm not convinced this guy is right. At well, all. they even talked to unnamed crew and the unnamed crew <clears throat> totally plays to your point and says something like we needed a director that we could ask like could answer our questions. And he wasn't it. Oh yeah. Basically. And even on fantastic four, they were like, he yeah. was clearly overwhelmed and in yeah. over his head. And it's unfortunate, but he, you know, jumped jumped off the pier a little too quick, I think. And I have the same worry about Colin Trevorrow. I feel that my gut is the exact same way about Jurassic World, that yeah. it's going to be a little bit too much. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely for the best. I mean, Josh Trank behind a Star Wars movie is just, like, the craziest piece of news I heard all year. I was like, what? Do you have any repost to Lance's uh, Godzilla? Like, and we liked Godzilla, you know. I, I liked oh, Godzilla, I liked it. but I, oh, I liked it. I yeah. think I liked it the least of everybody on the podcast because I maybe it's not that I like maybe good. it's not that I liked it the least. I was probably the most disappointed by it. Okay, but you know, Tim Tim brought his his perspective to it, and he was right. I mean, I think all of us were right on that episode. 
like Tim was right in that it, he enjoyed it for what it was, and it was a fun time. And look at those monsters and all that. Willie enjoyed it for you know the Godzilla love and all that. Gojo liked it for this, and I liked it for this stuff, but didn't like it because of these reasons. And you were, I think, kind of almost was, there, almost there the with me. But campus, yeah. yeah. So G- Gareth Edwards, I think I loved the score though. I, th- <laughs> I think uh, it was uh, Alexander Desplat, wasn't it? Desplat, yeah, yeah. And yes. it's a beautiful score. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that um, that part's good. No, yeah. Gareth Edwards. I, good. I think he did a good job with it. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He took the, he took what made him good at monsters and he put it in Godzilla. He just had kind of a crummy lead actor and kind of a crummy script, but he did manage to put the human element in there like he did with the monsters, and he did the right stuff with the monsters. So <laughs> I think I think he learned a lot, and, and Godzilla Two is going to be amazing. But that's neither here nor there. His name is Ford Brody. Yeah, it's kind of- <laughs> Ford Brody. Gojo, you need to get on photoshopping a car called the Ford Brody. I don't <laughs> or- know. What it's got to have, but figure it out. The strange name <laughs> is the back going to say, Can we kill it? <laughs> yes. Can you kill it? It's a bumper sticker. Can you drive it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Trank being gone, awesome. I'm actually like excited about it. And I wonder who's going to take over. I mean, if it's really about Boba Fett, that's kind of. Kind of dumb. <sighs> Where's 1515? Yeah, it's not it's not dumb. It's it's not surprising at all. Like the Rogue One is is exciting. Yeah. That's an exciting idea. And depending on, you know, what they choose to do with the character. Okay, if if the Boba Fett movie is about Gojo's Boba Fett story, Gojo's like fan fiction idea, it's amazing and they should make it because that's super cool. I'll let him it's explain. Kyle Chandler starring. I could. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no. I mean, I I'm down. <laughs> why why not? No, and I know Gojo is kind of like, why are they doing Boba Fett? Like, he, he's more of a, it's not going to be what I want it to be, so what's right, the point? Right, right. It, it could be cool, but it might not be. Yeah. But whatever. All right. Uh, next up on the docket, John Wick 2 is on with the directors returning and Keanu Reeves returning. Uh, Lance, you saw with us? Or you reviewed no, I, with I, us? No, I, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Did you review it with us? No, I did not. You did not. No, I would have. I would have been it there. It was us and me. Tim. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's right. But, Willie, Willie didn't catch it till a couple months later. Yeah. Uh, are you excited for John Wick too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, immensely excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a terrific film. And yeah. uh, what I like about the the directors, I read something about the directors, and they were like about the sequel. They were like, we're not going to make a sequel unless we really know that we can do it. Like. We can we can think up as many action scenes as we can, yeah. but we we want to make sure that the character and the appeal of John Wick is still intact with the yeah. sequel. So I really I, I respect that. And just come on, come on, <laughs> just <laughs> I mean anybody who watches that movie, I mean it's just like just one man bulldozing his way through the mob. I mean yeah. just like like we're talking the mob here. I mean all these people were the competent killers, and then John Wick just. <laughs> mows them down yeah it's uh it's pretty incredible like and they established it early on in the film which i really liked was which was like just with this one little subtle thing where it was like what was the name of the uh the villain i know i know he's he's a swedish actor he was in the girl with the dragon tattoo films yeah michael nyquist is michael nyquist yeah. yeah and basically like like you you don't know who john wick is in the first 20 minutes really if, if you didn't see any trailers and yeah. then they they get on the phone with him and then they're like Mm-mm. your you know your son sold the car from John Wick and he goes oh and he <laughs> yeah. just hangs up the phone <laughs> like or he said okay I think he said something like that and it was just like okay damn like yeah. this guy's not to be messed with 
So yeah, uh, a John Wick two would be would be something amazing. It was a great script, the first one. Just simple, effective, and like you said, it had all those great build up before the release moments. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I'm a hundred percent in for a second one for sure. I'm I'm a little worried. I'm like wondering if if lightning can strike the same place twice, and I'd almost prefer it more if they like took one of the other characters that you run into at the Continental and just oh like, the Continental should be a show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Make oh, yeah. make like a f- screw Agents of Shield shit. Like no <laughs> one really cares, and it's I mean people might say it's an okay show, but no one really cares, and it's it's just it's just fluff. But like a, a show about the Continental that is completely unrelated to John Wick himself. Like he never shows up mm-hmm. any of that. But that was fascinating. That mo- that that portion of the movie and all these weird characters and this interesting settings and secret society stuff. Like really interesting. They and had uh, their own currency. Yeah, yeah, they were their own nation essentially. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Like exploring that would be, I think, really, really sweet. I feel like that's where I would want them to go with like a sequel. I wouldn't sure. necessarily want it to be John Wick because I'm wondering. I don't want it to turn into Taken, um, Taken or or Die Hard or Twenty Four in the sense of like mm. here's another shitty day in this dude's life where he <laughs> almost dies again and blah 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 blah. Because yeah. I don't feel like that's sustainable. Yeah, um, the first movie. I mean, the plot. It made sense, like, yeah. it, and it had a beginning and a middle and an end, and it ends, and you're like, okay, good. John that, Wick's second wife dies, and they kill his cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They like, drown his hamster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It uh, it does need something to make him naturally, you know, totally. And it, you know, it, they could do like a Fast and Furious type thing where there's somebody who is part of that organization who wants to get him back, and you know, there are a lot of ways they could go with it. I just yeah. hope they choose a good one. Yeah. I was super impressed with those directors, though. They did a really solid job. Totally. It's a, it's a good movie. We teased Tim talking about uh, blood, Bloodshot. Blood. Dead. Is that blood, what they're doing next? Bloodshot. I don't know. They're like up for like 30 different things right now, so it's going to be interesting to suss out what the order is. Like They're attached to another thing that I saw earlier. So they should, for now, they should stick to what they know. Like, yeah. Let's not do a, tr- a Josh Trank and <laughs> just take too big a bite. Yeah. Like I think they 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 immediately establish themselves as a voice in like modern action. They should stick with something that's kind of in that scope, and they I think, can slowly kind of because Bloodshot will be a little bit bigger, totally yeah. more characters, bigger universe, comic book sensibilities, and that established canon too to like exactly, help them deal yeah. with working within you know other creative work. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm excited for a John Wick too. I you know that I'd love any opportunity to see more Keanu, so I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with that. But oh, yeah. I kind of I hope I wish that they would. I feel like the Continental has a lot to mine out of it, yeah. and, I, and I hope they do it somehow. As long as Lance Reddick is back, yeah, yeah. Even if they made like, I would totally read like a graphic novel about. Oh, the definitely. Continental. Yeah. Well, like, would, would you though? No, but I would buy it <laughs> and hope to read it. Someday. Alex doesn't like reading. He's I not saying it wouldn't be quality. No, read is reading is dumb. Reed is dumb. Reed is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's my character poster. <laughs> Reed is dumb. Reed is dumb. <laughs> All right. Uh, we also got word that Brad Bird next. Well, Brad Bird's next film, after he wraps on everything with Tomorrowland, will be The Incredibles Two. Uh, this one's been kind of a long time coming. I don't know how much I know about how you guys feel about The Incredibles, the first one. Nick, what did you think? First one's very good. Yeah, it's uh fun movie it it was came out like kind of in the middle of superhero movies so um, uh, kind of it was what oh f- 
like the Spider-Man era. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's definitely pre-Marvel Studios. So I suppose that I'm, feels like the middle to me, though. That's kind fair. of when they were finding their footing in that. But um, it it's a really good movie. I mean, it's classic Pixar. Adults yeah. like it, kids like it. The action in it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like that he's making a second one, though. Really, no. and it's not. It's not because I don't like the franchise or I don't think they could tell more stories with it. I presume now the kids will be like grown and that kind of thing. And it'll be cool if they get all the same voice actors. But um, he's really good at live action. Yeah. So and good. Mission Impossible 4 was so sweet. And Tomorrowland looks really good. I'd rather actually he just hop back over to Star Wars now because he was supposed to do episodes. No, he was supposed to do Jurassic World. No, then, he was potentially going to do episode seven. Uh, he was going to do episode seven. Okay, and and he uh, he wanted to do Tomorrowland and have Trank, Josh Trank, do the pre pro for that's right, for yeah, seven. Then, no, yeah. not Trank, uh, Trevor. Trevor, oh, yeah, Trevor, Trevor, yeah, Trevor. So <laughs> he uh, nift man factus. Yeah, <laughs> he. Um, I think he. I would love it if he jumped into the void that Trank is leaving and did like the Star Wars movie instead. Because what if he? What if he did? So would you want him to do standalone <clears throat> or would you want him to do nine? Because nine's technically open kind of oh ryan johnson's not doing nine anymore ryan johnson wrote a treatment for nine and he has eight put brad bird on episode nine you think that that would be awesome i think i think because i well we'll see when tomorrowland comes up but mission impossible 4 he did a great job wrangling an established franchise multiple actors giving them all their due um and handling you know he did a really great job with that yeah with tomorrowland it seems like it's even bigger so maybe he'll he'll his pedigree is there now where he can do episode nine. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be down for him to do the Boba Fett thing, though, because if it's presumably Boba Fett tracking down, like, bounties and action sequences, and he did such a good job with Mission Impossible with that kind of stuff, with the one man going in alone type thing, yeah. he'd have a good eye for it. But, um, you know, if he's doing Incredibles too, I guess, you know, that, that is what it is. But. Yeah. Lance, any thoughts? Um, I have not seen The Incredibles. Really? Oh, no, I haven't. I kind of. I'm not all about. You seen Uncle Boomy, but you ain't seen. I've seen the Uncle Boomy, who can recall his past lives, <laughs> but I have not seen uh, The Incredibles. No. Um, and I've only heard an interview uh, with uh, Brad Bird, and he's a cool guy. And the way he described Incredibles was good, but I still just haven't gotten around to see it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I agree. The live action is incredible that he does. I mean, I seen I saw the extended trailer for Tomorrowland and pretty much just, you know, had to had to be alone for a little while. <laughs> Man, I haven't seen a frame of that movie since I haven't seen any of it. Oh. Yeah, well, actually I don't think well, I have either. You need to treat yourselves one day no man yeah. <laughs> going in blind see john wick i don't think would have been as good if i saw the trailers uh, i went in super blind for that one and yeah well, yeah my expectations were low for john wick but uh yeah um uh, pixar films they're they're good they're, they're they're really they you know they do their thing incredibles too they were good they, i was just I gonna say they're kind of losing some of their they're luster losing some steam yeah, Disney's taking over. Frozen, especially <laughs> like sequel wise. Like the only successful sequels are like Toy Story. Toy Story. Yeah. The, the Monsters Inc. sequel was. Good, it was. Though. Yeah, it was. It okay. was. I had a much better time of that than I thought I would. Yeah, I don't know. I am kind of interested if the if the bubble of comic book movies is going to how it's going to influence mm-hmm. the too. I I want to know if they're looking at that at all and how exactly they can play with that to kind of comment on it without you know it's not like they can have six more incredibles movies leading into this one to make the incredible avengers yeah. <laughs> but yeah it, it is a bit of a bummer that he's not open to do more live action what really should happen they should give brad bird episode nine and give andrew stanton the standalone 
Mm. that happened. Let's get Andrew Stanton back on the playing field. Yeah, where's he at? Honestly, give, give Andrew Stanton episode nine. I'm in. Yeah. It'll never happen. Yeah, I, I, I think that should happen too. But no. I have a better chance of growing wings, but <laughs> <laughs> I think... Going to Mars. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that would... I, honestly, if they said that tomorrow, like, oh, Andrew Stanton, I'd be like, good. <laughs> what did you think of, of John Carter? I uh, didn't see all of it. God, you can oh, just, just name any Disney movie, and I'll be like, nope, didn't see it. <laughs> Is it a Chaldean thing as well? It might be. It's got the Disney logo on it. Just like, nah. I don't no. like castles. I don't know what I, that's I like about. Things, I like Denzel, not Disney. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we had one more news story to get to here. Uh, the final cast list, not final, but the current, current. cast list for uh, Captain America Civil War has made it out. And uh, let's see. We've got Chris Evans as Captain America, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier, Anthony Mackie as Falcon, Paul Bettany as the Vision, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, Don Cheadle as War Machine, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter slash Agent 13, Chadwick Boseman, John Wick Boseman as the Black Panther, Daniel Brühl as Baron Helmut Zemo, Frank Grillo as Crossbones, William Hurt as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, and Martin Freeman is also joining in an unspecified role. Not to mention Spider-Man is also supposed to happen in there somewhere. What is happening? (laughs) I this is this has me so worried cuz we talked about this a little bit in our in our Avengers Age of Ultron debrief after yes, the podcast. Yes, yeah, unfortunately we should like like I said we should have recorded that whole conversation. Yeah, the only problem is I would have sat there editing it for 4 hours to make it a little bit more coherent. Yeah. But um we we basically decided that we can't I think most of us who disliked Avengers 2 a lot or a little kind of came to an understanding afterwards cuz we had more time to talk it out. And I think I, I was just kind of like, I think it was Tim who put it really well. He was kind of like, listen, I think that these movies are just going to be a mess. And that's kind of what we have to expect is that the solo movies are going to be really good. And the, the big giant group ones are just kind of crazy. And- Which is a shame because this is supposed to be Captain America. But now it's been turned into the Avengers 3, basically. 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm hoping the optimist in me is like, Half of those people that I listed have maybe a minute of screen time total, and they're just there to be touched on as like the superhero registration act is being played with in the film. But is, isn't uh, I remember reading a rumor too that Charlie Cox might pop up in it. He said he wanted to. Oh, he said he's open to it, or yes. he would. Oh, okay. Honestly, that'd yeah. be sweet. I think you should. I mean, it would make a little bit of sense at least if they're yeah. kind of popping around in there somewhere, but. I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if it could happen because we don't necessarily know that we have a a Spider-Man yet. Yeah. So they still have time to shoot. Like it just started filming. I I think a lot of them will probably roll up like, you know, for like a fight. Like like I said, it'll be the scene from Anchorman and it'll be the fight scene from Anchorman and Captain (laughs) America has like his three main boys and Iron Man has his three main boys and then like they just start coming out of the woodwork. I wonder, well, I wonder if like the Avengers team that we're kind of left with spoiler alert towards the end of the last movie. I wonder if that'll just be like, here's opening battle siege thing on Could be. Hydra base or whatever. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I think the, I think the, I know I probably should be more worried about it, but I think it's partially, I think the Russos aren't ready to immediately destroy their, uh, their <laughs> wondrous creation. And 
I'm also a little less invested with each Marvel investment, so I'm yeah. kind of or uh, installment. installment. And I, I think they're gonna do right probably with the story with Civil War, and I think they'll probably find a cool way to tie it in and training, training wheels for Infinity War, obviously with such a big ensemble. And yeah, yeah, definitely. I just wonder where. Again, it's one of those things where the whole audience is going to know going in, like, okay, there's two more Avengers movies after this. They have to kiss and make up by the end of this one, or at least the beginning of that one. So it's a lot, a lot of the tension's already gone, I think. Plus, yeah. I mean, I don't know how heavily it's going to start to tie into the show again, and I feel like it really might be better served. The show's by... really weirdly laying groundwork for Inhumans like three years ahead of time. Yeah. Really strange. I don't quite understand. But... Anyway, I'm really excited. I mean, I, I got way more excited for it when they said Ant Man was going to be in it. I was like, yes, this is a really good sign. Because if they're like, oh, okay, cool, they're starting, they're starting to show some faith in it. Yes, Ant-Man again. I think that Ant Man's probably testing really well or yeah. something. And people are like, we like him as Ant Man. We like Ant Man. We want to see more. And he's kind of a cool character. He'll be a, kind of a new player on the block. And he's one that if you're going to regulate someone, you probably should because he can like disappear essentially. And <laughs> he can get anywhere. So. Plus, he's like an ex con. He's, right? he's a thief. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, I'm I'm way excited about that. Like, I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> I hope we get the uh, ooh, we might get the Hawkeye scene with Ant Man oh. la- laying laying on the arrowhead and him shooting him into somewhere he isn't going to be able to get to. Like oh, that ooh, he might uppercut Baron Zemo too. I might get that scene. <laughs> oh man, oh man. <laughs> Nick's back to fully so excited. fully tweaked, fully for... torqued for <laughs> Captain America's two, three, Civil War one, Ant Man two. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, Lance! Any thoughts on that, real quick? I don't know. No, I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen Avengers two, so I don't know what's happening yet. Yeah, uh, not much. I'm kind of like, <laughs> much. Oh no, I heard it was confusing. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, not. In a, I I don't know. It's just yeah. confusing. <laughs> I'd say incoherent before. I'd incoherent. Say oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, Civil War. I remember a friend who I used to work with was reading the comics like as they were coming out, and he was telling yeah. me all about them. There was some cool stuff going on there, yeah, like the registration act and stuff like that. Yeah, didn't in the Civil War comics doesn't Iron Man like reveal himself? Yes, but he already did that it, at the end of Iron Man One. Yeah, so they were so. kind of saying that it's now maybe more of just a superhero registration act, so that the government can enlist their help or like pull them into battle, uh-huh. and less about they need to reveal their identities because there aren't that many secret identities in the cinematic universe at the moment. So they're yeah, not yeah, they're yeah. not like autonomous anymore. They like work have to work. For the man. Yeah. Or at least there there needs to be a system in place for the government to call on them when their help is needed. When mm. the Battle of New York happens again or something like that. It'd be, it's going to be really interesting if... Because with the way things are left at the end of Avengers 2, it'd be really interesting if Cap and Iron Man's roles will be a little bit reversed, actually. Like if Cap is more pro, like, yeah, enlist, man. Serve your country. And Iron Man's like... That would be interesting, but with the way that scene in the middle of the movie went, I felt like it's... I felt like they're pretty steadfast in where they were in the comic. But I think the almost the more interesting thing is, I think the idea that it's not so much you need to reveal your identity, but you need to register with us, it kind of softens the position and makes Tony a little bit more relatable. Mm. Like, I, I kind of like the idea that they will still be against each other, but... I was kind of excited to have Tony be like somewhat of a villain or to take on the we, nobody agrees with you, but I'm almost, I'm really curious because in that scene you're talking about, Cap is kind of like the one who it's not that he wants to start a fight before it happens, but he's he's that I want to serve my country guy, and and Cap or Tony says to him the line of like 
for a guy who's always trying to like not be in a war, you sure are getting roped into him a lot. And then at the end of the movie, Cap's like, he says, I am home and he's at the army base and he's like, that is his place. Yeah, now. you're right. It might be a little bit. And Tony but... wants to get out of it because he's like, isn't that why we're doing this? That's so totally we don't true. have to fight anymore. So it'd be kind of interesting if they flip flop and Cap's like, bro, you got to enlist. And Iron Man's like, I don't want to do that. Maybe Sorry. that's it. Which is weird because then it, it is makes, weird. It makes it makes of course it makes Robert Downey Jr. the the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? It's a Captain America. I don't know. Anyway, tin hat conspiracy corner. Uh, yeah, Alex's Alex's tin hat corner featuring Nick this hey. week. Um, I just want to man. <laughs> so enough of that nerd drivel. Uh, we can get into our review of Noah Baumbach's While We're Young, also known as Life Is Now, but. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says, a middle-aged couple's career and marriage are overturned when a disarming young couple enters their lives. Uh, this movie stars Ben Stiller, Naomi Watts, Adam Driver, Amanda Seyfried, and a lot of other people, um, including the uh, ever-amazing Charles Grodin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if we want to go around real quick just to talk about how we feel about Baumbach as a whole. Uh Nick, you're a big fan of Kicking and Screaming. Uh-huh. The Noah Baumbach version, not the Will Ferrell soccer movie. <laughs> yes. The Will Ferrell soccer remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a soccer, soccer, soccer remake. <laughs> a series of soccer remakes of other movies. Um, yeah, I like, really... did like Beckham? Here's the know. thing. I, I really liked Kicking and Screaming when I saw it the very first time, and I was right at the perfect age to be watching that movie. Mm-hmm. And... I watched it again when I was close in age to that, and I still really liked it. I was probably like mid... I was early 20s when I first saw it, and I think mid-20s uh, when I saw it the second time, and I still liked it. And now I'm in my late 20s, and I wonder if I watch it now, if I'd be like, God, these people are insufferable. <laughs> Why did I like this movie? Um, and then I've seen The Squid and the Whale, and that was okay. That was fine. A lot of his movies, I think the general mood seems to be like, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine because for Rick Rick really likes Noah Baumbach because he really liked Margot at the wedding and mm-hmm. he really liked uh, I don't know how he felt about Greenberg actually I did see most of Greenberg and I was like that's kind of fine it was okay but he seems very I think he's got a knack for casting and I think he's got a knack for like good performers but I don't really feel a strong sense of like the <laughs> The, like if you were to say what makes a Noah Baumbach movie, I'd be like, it's just kind of okay. Like that's, <laughs> it has really interesting ideas and yeah. and starts to chip. Like it's like he has this, this huge piece of beautiful marble and starts at the sculpture and it's like it's getting there and it's really good and it's got good structure, but then it never the details never really get honed in. Like its eyes are crooked and it's like, or or they're not even attempted. They're just kind of. It's, he'd be a very minimalist sculptor where he's like, here, it's the shape of a man, but that's all you can really tell. <laughs> because his movies always have this great, these great subjects they're about, and then they yeah. never really, really get it far enough in there for me to be satisfied. Okay. I don't think he's a poor director, but I, I think he could be better. And maybe that's maybe it's just a little bit lost on me. I don't know. All right. Lance, how do you feel about Noah Baumbach films? <clears throat> well, the only one I've seen in full is Francis Ha and... I really liked it. I thought it was really unique. And um, and uh, I saw a bit of Squid and the Whale, and that was okay. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's <laughs> <That's> fine. <laughs> um, and But yeah, Francis Ha just had this really good feeling about it. Um, like, the, the acting was really good by Greta Gerwig, and 
Adam Driver was in it, and he was good good in that. And now um, I have to watch him. Uh, yeah, and you know it was black and white, kind of evoking like Woody Allen's Manhattan slash Broadway Danny Rose. That's an awesome movie. Um, and um, yeah, so my my experience with Noel Baumbach pre uh, while we're young. Or life is now is that what it's life called? is now is what we call it. That's yeah. what you guys call it. I was yeah. like, I thought it was like an AKA. Yeah, I don't think no. we've even explained this yet. <laughs> yeah, Nick, Nick, Nick saw the trailer when we went and saw something at the main art, and was just like, oh, like you could just call it life is now, and that's so now that's our film that we're gonna make. That's okay. an indie it's like movie. a stock indie movie name. <laughs> like yeah, life yeah. is now. Dot dot dot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, or question mark. Yes. <laughs> For the sequel. Interrobang. <laughs> so Noah Baumbach, yeah. Um, you know. I mean, the similarities to Wes Anderson are there. Yeah. Don't deny it. He um, reminds me of a lot of Alexander Payne and Wes Anderson. Like, there you there's go. a little, little mix. Yeah. Like, they could hang out at a party. Sure. But the more interesting conversation would be between Alexander and Wes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, snap. Dang. Noah Bombach, I'm sorry. That you didn't hear that. Um, <laughs> right in. <laughs> I dare be you. Be back in Midwest from this. I challenge account. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, you know, Francis Ha, again, funny film. Um, and I, what I liked about this film was the, which I texted you about, I was like the visual gags in this film, which mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, comedies, there's so much serious stuff going on in the world. and So many things that are unfunny. So when you go see a funny movie, I, really, I quite enjoy it. Like, I'm, I commend the people for making it, you know. Um, and just, like, there was just so many things. And Francis Ha, too. Like she would like fall down in the street just for no reason, or she yeah. would. She was like serving wine at that party, and um, you know she was like not looking while she was pouring the wine and stuff like that. Just like little stuff like that kind of makes makes up for funny funny moments. And this film, while we're young, had a lot of it too. With like every time you saw Adam Driver with his GoPro, <laughs> or you saw like that that assistant of his with the camera like running around, <laughs> yeah. and you know that uh, that party, the whatever the Indian party that yeah. they were doing, like the Something where ayahuasca, ayahuasca, where you drink and vomit your demons out, (laughs) yeah, just like you know, with like all the the sound effects and everything involved Mm -hmm. with that. Um, bring that up later, too. Okay, there's something I want to talk about. Yeah, you actually just reminded me though, the biggest, I think, the biggest defining thing for me about Noah Baumbach that is also kind of the most it kind of ties into that slight disappointment. Like, he has great lines, like, some of his characters have amazing lines. But the conversation isn't that good. Hmm. You'll have this scene of dialogue and you're watching and you're like, okay, that's fine. And then one character will have this amazing line and you're like, wow, what a great line. But everything surrounding it, like where, where did that amazing line come from? Yeah. There's no like yeah. build toward And Ben Stiller has a couple that are like, in, in this movie, they're phenomenal. And they like turned, they, they made the world stop for a second. Because I was like, what an amazing line. But where the hell did that come from? And then it just immediately falls off right after that. Yeah, I think he's like really good at, Kind of just the throwaway jokes too. Like one of my favorite jokes in the movie is when uh, Ben Stiller's looking through the album, the album like all yeah, of yeah, Adam yeah. Driver's albums. He's like, "Man, your your uh, record collections is like just like mine, except mine are all CDs." Yeah, <laughs> like that to me was so funny, like especially his, as somebody who buys a bunch of vinyl. But yeah, his uh, Noah Bombox like notepad is probably the most amazing thing ever. He probably <laughs> he probably has this like. Or notes in his phone where he he's just on the subway and like thinks of this really funny line and puts yeah. it in there, but then you know injects the, the movie with these really amazing little little things, but they don't they don't necessarily culminate in like a in a better movie for it. Yeah, because Ben Stiller has one line. I actually I feel bad. I don't even remember it now, but it's near the very end of the movie. It's in like one of the last scenes, and it was so good. 
I mean, he's talking to Naomi Watson like the by like a fountain. And mm-hmm. it was such a great line. And I remember just like stopping and going, wow, that was awesome. But the whole conversation before it was boring. So there's <laughs> highlights and then very yeah. low points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I, real quick, I've seen Greenberg, didn't like it, saw Francis Han, thought it was cool, but it wasn't, I felt like it kind of wasn't necessarily for me. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I said unique. I, I, I use that term strongly. <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't know if this is like, sexist or misogynistic but i feel like if i was like a 20 something woman like it probably would have hit me a little bit harder if i had the same sensibilities as me wow this is me acknowledging that i'm not a woman for the first time on the podcast but i think it would have hit me harder if i you know was if i could see more of myself in francis i think that's okay to say okay i mean i'm sure there are a lot of movies that have like male leads that you know resonate more with guys than boyhood perfect yeah. example we watched amy was like it was a good movie but i didn't really like like it that much because she's like i couldn't relate at all because it's called boyhood what did you think of uh what, so what did you guys think of the movie overall life is now lance life is now yeah ellipses um <laughs> parentheses uh take some notes let me take let me see oh uh it reminded me a little bit it's like a better version of neighbors the, you know that Seth Rogen film with uh, Rose Byrne? Wow. Like a way better version. <laughs> Lance, because, you're the best, man. Because um, because <laughs> that's all about getting old, too. Because yeah. they're living right next to a frat house. And like, you know, and at the end of Neighbors, not really a spoiler, but at the end of Neighbors, they're just sitting in their bed and they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, I love brunch. Or like, I, I love I love having our baby and stuff like that. It's like kind of being comfortable with being old yeah. kind of thing. Learning you're not even accept. that old. Learning yeah. to accept getting old, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. So Ben Stiller's character is like 44. Naomi Watts is like 42. You're not that old, bro. Yeah. But still, like they, they feel that way. And, you know, what what this film does well is it um, it plays plays to both sides. Like being young is cool, but sometimes it's not. And being old can be cool if you embrace it. You yeah. Know? Um, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of gags like like technology you know, jabs at technology and stuff like that. Like when Ben Stiller's playing on his iPad and like Adam driver, like wants to like build a table. Yeah. Like who does that? Like, I don't, I mean, I'm 28 and I don't, I don't want to build a table. <laughs> I don't want to go to like some lumber yard and make a day out of it. I'll just buy a table. Yeah. Like, does that, if that makes me old, then I'm old. <laughs> um, let's see some other, like there was like, uh, let me mention this now so we don't forget, but like Adam Horowitz in the film, yeah. I thought was really good. Um, uh-huh. Because he said something which I would say, which was when he, um, like, he goes up to his wife and he's like, "Hey, babe, do you see do you seen the slipcover for the CD?" Yeah. And she goes, <laughs> "And she goes, what do you mean? Like, you have the CD in your hand?" He's like, "No, no, no, it's like a cardboard slipcover." And she's like, "And and she's like, what does it look like?" And he's like, "It looks exactly the same. <laughs> it just goes over the you know the CD." <laughs> and like, she doesn't understand why that's important, you know, <laughs> but it is. It completely and totally is important to have that slipcover. That but, is um, very Lance. Yeah. Well, I, and I noticed later on that uh, Ben Stiller's, he's got the slipcover in his hands in one of the scenes. Yeah, he like, does. Yeah. yeah. The Wilco CD. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So where was I? I was talking about yeah, Adam Horvitz. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just like Adam, Adam Horvitz was good in it. Um, they were like, he was like one of the characters that would like look at Ben Stiller and be like, you're wearing a hat, dude. You're old. Like we don't wear hats, you know, but why should there be this kind of dividing line, you know? And that's, what's good about the film is it blends both old and young people hanging out together, doing stuff. And, um, this was an interesting film because there, the screenplay was a little bit different than Francis Ha, where it was like, Francis Ha was kind of like just this 
girl traveling slash working jobs and stuff like that. But this had actually a little bit of intrigue with uh, the Adam Driver character, a little yeah. bit of mysteriousness going on, which I which was kind of cool when they brought that up with like it was like um, just very like something like an added element to the film. Like you don't know what's going on and you're kind of figuring it out with the Ben Stiller character. So I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. But you know, what do you, what do you guys think? <laughs> Nick? Uh, the, the, the thing about it that disappointed me is actually what you're just talking about. I think there's two really amazing movies in this movie and it should have picked one and just absorbed the other and then gotten rid of it. Cause there's a really excellent, funny, interesting, touching movie about like, you know, aging gracefully, you know, ascending into, into middle age, you know, with understanding of it and, and acceptance and all that. And, and this older, slightly middle-aged couple befriending this young couple and like in the, 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 the two of them learning from each other and that kind of thing. Like that's kind of what I thought I was signing up for. And I was like, "All right, I'm into that." And I and the first act of the movie is pretty much that. And yeah. I think I think it, I think the first act is by and far the best part of the movie. Hmm. It's very funny. It it's uh, kind of sweet in a lot of ways, and it's interesting. And I think that as as someone who's 29 right now, I kind of remember what it was like being the the Adam Driver Amanda Seyfried couple. I remember a lot of those impulses they have, and a lot of the the way they view the world. And now as I'm getting, you know, a little bit, I mean, I'm, you know, not even 30 yet, but I can see where Ben Stiller is coming from and I can see their, their side of the world too. Cause I think that that's a much more slippery slope. I, I think once you get married and you hit like probably 31, 32 years, kind of like, and all of a sudden you're right there. Yeah. And that, that, that portion of the movie was excellent. And I thought it was very well thought out and it was, it was on track to become a really interesting movie. And then there, it kind of changes gears big time. And I get this other movie about this sort of failed documentarian who's mm-hmm. stuck in stasis and he needs inspiration and he needs to accept change in order to get better. And he needs to learn how to, he needs to learn a lot about himself and collaborate. And, and then there's this other young character who is this young documentarian who starts bringing things out in him. And there's this other plot with a little bit of mystery, a little bit of intrigue, like you said. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, did the real change? Like this movie just mm-hmm. changed completely what it's about. And it's still, and then, and then yet a little bit of time passed and then it wanted to be the, the first movie again. It's like, no, no, wait, I want to be this story about this married couple who had this chance, but they didn't get it. And maybe they want it again. And I was like, man, what the, there's a third movie in here somewhere about this couple who, (laughs) and it was just too much. It was too much. At the end, it comes back around though, I feel. The last scene. Kind of, uh, to, to that story, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And in the end, you know, the, the, all, all the the plots resolve and you kind of get an ending to all of it. But at the same time, I feel like I was, I was pulled in too many directions and a lot of it's not very cohesive. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this one scene and then all of a sudden the movie's over. I'm like, okay, wait, I have to put that plot on the back burner. Not, not everything just kind of evolved at the same time. And I think a lot of that, I think the editing is actually a lot to blame because man, it was, it was cross cutting between Adam driver and Ben Stiller talking and Charles Grodin talking. And I was like, man, I cannot fucking remember what he was just talking about. (laughs) Too grandiose. That was just way too much. That was like, and I was like, man, but come on. Yeah. It was just too much. It wasn't, it wasn't handled very well. And a lot of really great characters and, and and the performances were very good. And then a lot of the lines were very funny and memorable. Like I was saying, but ultimately it just kind of got bogged down by how much there was. And I feel like uh, a lot of the plots and characters that were interesting got really shortchanged because I, I was really enjoying the, the Naomi Watts, Ben Stiller relationship 
and it just kind of eventually gets kind of pushed off to the side and she kind of doesn't have that much to do anymore and she becomes kind of a plot mechanic. And I was kind of bummed out by that. Yeah, Naomi Watts deserves better for sure. Yeah. So it was I liked it. It was a good movie and it had it had a lot of good things to say, but it could have been so much better. I think. Yeah, I think I sit pretty firmly between both of you guys. You're not that far apart though. I think I think Lance liked it a little bit more than than you did, Nick, but I also <laughs> felt a lot like there were a bit too many different messages going on and that it, he could have cut it down into something that really would have hit at the core of any of the topics that he wanted to deal with and mm-hmm. he ultimately didn't quite get there. So I don't I don't know if I have a whole lot more to say about it that you guys didn't already say. But And it almost kind of contradicts itself a lot or like kind of turns back on itself because early on it's kind of like, you know, it's okay to like be, be an older guy and kind of, you know, try to blend into the younger crowd. And it kind of like is, it kind of has Ben Stiller's back and it's like, Hey, you know, he gets these cool glasses and he gets a hat. So what? And he's enjoying himself. He feels good about life again. And then at the end of the movie, it's kind of like, no, that well, shit was wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a little that. bit of like early on. He's, it's like the denial of, yeah, this is totally okay. I'm, he, he's a little, I mean, young. we learn a lot more about the Adam Driver character and, and Ben Stiller's a little bit under the spell, I think, of, yeah. of you know, this this charismatic, for some reason, uh, younger person. <laughs> and it's, you know, there's a lot, <laughs> see, and there's, there's a lot more we can't, we can't get into without getting into spoilers, but it, um, yeah. it's just a little, it's a little all over the place, yeah. which is too bad because there's a lot of, there's a ton of potential. Yeah. Ultimately worth seeing though, you think? Yeah, it's not a it's not a theater. Doesn't demand you go to the theater. You may not be able to um, find it in a theater near you. That's true. I I, I really want to hear. I would love to hear about the movie from the perspective of someone who's like in their early forties. I think it yeah. would be, it would be really fun to listen to, to thoughts. So if we have any listeners that are like late thirties, early forties, and you check it out, write in, please. Yeah, I want to know. This is literally something I can't talk about yet i need to watch yeah. the movie again in 10 we'll back to you in 10, 10, years. 10 12 <laughs> years and go oh, yeah. yeah all right lance any final thoughts you think um worth checking out yeah just be yeah i think I, I think people should go see it yeah for sure it's a comedy and you'll laugh and you'll enjoy it and and <laughs> yeah actually we were laughing out loud quite a bit yeah, yeah my girl my girlfriend was very loud yeah. she was like i mean granted we were in a theater of like nine people but not even <laughs> i was like man she's annoying the people behind us for sure it was really funny she's very vocal yeah. there were some there were definitely some belly laughs to be had yeah good yeah. stuff i mean it's it's i don't even want to call it light comedy or lighthearted because it's not lighthearted you know it's not and it's you know it's not like heavy it's not heavy either yeah no. it's there's dramatic aspects but not not huge I mean, there's just a couple of instances where you feel like things got serious. And then, you know, it goes back to just the normal. It's about life, really. It's observational kind of humor, which was cool. You know, picked up on a lot of things that we do today, like cell phones, like grabbing cell phones right now and yeah. looking, looking at them and, you know, not paying attention. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, that's what that's what people do. And that's what we do as a society. I mean, I'm going to lump myself in with everyone. Um, so um, the documentary aspect of it kind of comes into play a little bit, which is like a fourth film, I would say. Because there's these generations of documentary filmmakers. There's Charles Grodin, who's like your papa documentarian. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, pop doc. And then um, Ben Stiller is like the documentarian who aspires to be like Charles Grodin, but can't be. And then Adam Driver is the documentarian who's like, 
getting tips from the oldest documentarian. It's like, it's all about truth and stuff like that. And, but like, you kind of realize that like, maybe, you know, you can sidestep the truth if something still has a good message or a good story. So that, that's like another film inside this, um, life is, life is on. What is it called? Life is now. Life is now. Life is now. Life is on. Life is on. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right, I think we'll take a step in the spoiler Terry for a little bit. So uh, come back after the break. See you in the movie. Here we are in spoiler Terry for Life Is Now. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about, I felt like we were just about to talk about it. I think Amanda Seyfried, like there's so much not explored in the Adam Driver, Amanda Seyfried relationship. Like you really only get hints of like the disintegration of their relationship. And I think the way he does it is really interesting. Like I think the first real like overt something bad has happened or they're not on the same wavelength as at the party scene when he show when Adam Driver showed his footage mm-hmm. and, uh, there's just kind of this passing moment between Darby and and whatever Adam Driver's name is. They have this like quick little fleeting moment of like, oh, you know, can you do this thing? And he's like, no, I got this blah 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 blah. And she, yeah, can you get me a beer? I asked you like thirty minutes ago. Yeah, and 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 so she she like and and Bombach kind of like lifts her voice over the rest of the soundtrack where like. You could, it was interesting. The mm-hmm. moment stood out to me, and I thought that was cool. But I feel like you don't really get a sense as to why it's disintegrating. Like, you get a little bit of it, like, oh, he was neglecting her. Okay, I kind of wanted to see that happen if it was really going to matter. And ultimately, I suppose it doesn't matter that much because yeah. there's so much else going on in the movie. Yeah, I have a theory but, on that. I do. Please. Uh, so, so his character's name, Jamie, Adam Driver's character. Yeah. So uh, at one point, like... Charles Grodin is kind of wondering why is that? Why is Ben Stiller's character, um, Josh? Yeah. Why is he Yash. not Yash? Yash. Yash. Um, <laughs> are you gonna get this, Yash? Joshy. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay for it. You know. <laughs> um, so uh, why his character didn't make it to the realm of Charles Grodin's character? And I think yeah. Charles Grodin says something to the effect of like he didn't. He wasn't as merciless as I was to like be selfish. You know, because he is you know, married with his wife and they, they tried so hard to have a kid and everything like that. And I think like being the best documentary filmmaker just wasn't in the cards for, for Josh, but it was in the cards for Charles Grodin and it will be in the cards for Jamie because he is willing to dump everything that he's got in order to be a successful filmmaker, which he does at the end. See that Sundance photo at the end of the film. That's him by himself. So probably broke up with Darby or something like that. I'm actually, uh, were they even actually married? Oh yeah, they did say they were I married. Think, I think yeah. so. Yeah, because at the end of the movie, she's like, "I'm going she to Florida." She kind of pieces out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was I wondering think... if it was part of the ruse, like if they were dating but not really married. Well, they said that they like they got ma- like the way that they got married. I forget <clears throat> was very suspect because even like Ben Stiller said and... their vows in an abandoned water tower. And yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's like hilarious. I don't know. Was any <laughs> was anybody actually there? Was it actually recorded as like a legal marriage? Like yeah, the most, yeah, but... right. No, that's interesting because yeah, and it's I think it's totally I think that's there, mm-hmm. but I think uh, 
it's like the whole their their journey together, Darby and and, and uh, Jamie. It's not. It's very perfunctory. It's not really. It's very underwritten, and maybe by purpose. And I think, I think everything with Charles Grodin is there. You do kind of see mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that you know Josh's there's there's a lot of like Josh's inability to collaborate, but Jamie kind of can do that, and Jamie's taking advantage of these situations where Josh doesn't feel like he can, and 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 because because Jamie feels like he can uh compromise he can he can mm-hmm. or or he can do what he needs to do to yeah. get where he wants Steal to go her history yeah <laughs> so it's i think a lot of it is there it's just there are a few things that feel like they it, i had a disconnect with with respect to darby it didn't mm-hmm. quite all make sense to me but i wanted to say real quick one of my favorite favorite moments was was charles groton just looking at the bowl of oreos <laughs> Like this is an hors d'oeuvre for <laughs> yeah. you for you kids. Yeah, <laughs> that was hysterical. Disconnect. It was really, really, really funny to me. Yeah. I enjoyed that. That and the and the record collection line were probably my two favorite moments of the movie. But yeah. Nick, any spoilery thoughts? Mm. I was disappointed when the movie ended with how naive Ben Stiller was. I remember yeah. talking about this last night that I felt like a guy his age in the business he's in would be a little more hip to the game and understand that people will cut each other's throats and people will stab each other in the back if it means getting ahead and they will steal from each other. And I think that especially a guy who hoards credit like he does would do so for a reason. Yeah. Not because he's just a selfish, childish kind of dick, but because he would understand that if he wants to make it, he needs to do it himself. And it it, it was kind of frustrating to see him at the end of the movie just melt down. He didn't like that scene. It just made me feel kind of sad. Yeah. And it wasn't really fun. Even when it showed Josh with the, and then with the GoPro, it just kind of bummed me out. I was like, man, this movie gets kind of dark. Yeah. Because, like, Jamie's a kind of a bastard. And, like, he's, yeah. he's, he's so endearing at the beginning. And it's fine if, you're, if the movie is going to pull a switcheroo and make you kind of hate him. That's totally cool. But it gets, like, it gets pretty dark. And by the end, Ben Stiller's just kind of pathetic. And I was, I don't know, I was kind of bummed out. I feel like you're, this is, I think it's the most Alex thing you've ever said. Because you don't like the idea that Ben Stiller with, like, him... Ben Stiller's ideals of, like, there's truth out there and we should be true to it and everything gets totally shit on by the end of the movie. Like, that, to me, it does. is super disappointing as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm not as disappointed in, in the, the message because I know that. Yeah. Like, I, I understand that in, in... Like, whenever documentaries come out, noteworthy documentaries, and then it inevitably gets revealed that some things it's were like, staged... Oh, they crafted it. Or, or there's a bit of a bias. I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's impossible to make an objective documentary, and that's yeah. kind of. Or if you do, it's just boring. It's and... just, it's just a news report at that yeah. point, and mm-hmm. yeah, and like I remember when Michael Moore was first like really big and making and a splash, and people were like, oh man, the documentaries are so good, and a lot of people are like, they're not really documentaries though, because yeah, they do talk about real things, but they're so heavily slanted yeah. towards a certain viewpoint that inevitably that you have to wonder well, just how documentary is it. And so that's why it's kind of alarming, I think, that Ben Stiller's character would come this far and be around for so long without ever really getting that. It's yeah. kind of sad. And it kind of makes me sad for like me and for everybody because like, how delusional are we about a lot of things in our <laughs> lives? You know what I mean? So, again, there's a great story about that here in this movie. But then there's a whole bunch of other shit that's in this movie, too, that's really interesting. And so it kind of... I don't know. There's just there's just a lot. There's a lot going on. And there there's a really great kind of 
Not dark. I didn't mind the, the the dark stuff. I just didn't like that it was in this movie. If there had been a whole movie about this Ben Stiller character who was kind of a little bit of a drag and all that, um, I'd be totally fine. I'd I'd love that movie probably. But then the movie sets him up as this like really like nice, funny, like little day late, dollar short kind of guy. But he's entertaining. And then to see him just get just rained and shit on and just like self doubt and all that. Just the end, he's just reduced to just kind of just real sad sack and i was like that's yeah. a bummer <laughs> the movie set him up to be way different yeah so it's well he fights the whole time he, he struggles with <clears throat> with what he um what he believes in and the f- very funny scene where he goes to pitch his movie idea to the guy to the, you know, <laughs> to the, to the investor child that yeah. was hysterical yeah. the guy who he's like he's like so this is a movie about like like he said something about like I don't know suicide, and he's like, "Is people killing people in it?" Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like the guy just picks up on like just these keywords, just like how we pick how how like young people do Google searches, you know. <laughs> and um, he's like, like that guy's like so tense and impatient that like his phone is going off, like texting, and he has to get on it. And then by the end, he like grabs his phone. He's like, Ugh. <laughs> like he's just a, just drivel, just can't uh, he even was, think. He for was himself. hilarious. I thought he was one of the best parts because. He he perfectly reflected like the movie industry. Like, tell me in three sentences what your movie's about, and I will decide if we can sell it or not. Like, we'll make it into a thing. And Ben Stiller couldn't do that because his idea was just like this movie, like way too big and bloated yeah. and about too many damn things. Like, if you were to pitch while we're young to me, what would it sound like? Well, there's this <laughs> middle aged couple who like wanted to have a baby but they couldn't. But we're still kind of learning about that. And then they meet this young couple, and they're these like young, fun hipsters. But then one of them secretly knows who Ben Stiller is and his wife is. And then it just goes on and on and on but and even on. But even if you like to still it down to like, it's about this older couple meeting a younger couple and there's a documentary, but there's also the woman's <clears> father. <throat> like you're still like, even it's if you like much. distill it down <laughs> to like the basest elements, you're yeah. still like, it's a big multiple mouthful. mouthfuls. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot going on. here's yeah. the other thing too. Uh, filmmakers making movies about filmmakers. Like oof, that's a real tightrope walk. Like you've got to, Without descending into like self parody or or a little too before you seem a little pompous maybe like like well which character's him that kind of thing it's it's a really really tricky thing to navigate and I'm always kind of like oh man there's like a, there's Birdman a, there's a director <laughs> in this movie I don't know yeah yeah and this movie I was a little aware a lot of the time that it was about filmmakers and film people and it didn't feel as natural yeah. You talk about the quote at the beginning, which flew by a little fast for me. It was a great, yeah. it was a great yeah. bit. And it, again, it yeah. kind of, what the fuck does it have to do with the movie in the end? Well, I, the, you know one, I mean? the one bit I remember from it was like, you know, like young people knocking at my door. What should I do? And then the guy says, let them in. And you're like, let them in, question mark. Which like is kind of like, like, yeah, where's this coming from? And this, this really old, old text, uh, 19th century <laughs> novel or play a master builder by Henrik Ibsen Ibsen or something like that. So, you know, it's kind of like Ben Stiller's character the whole time up until the end, his last line. He fights not letting young people in or not not taking himself so seriously or stuff like that. And I think he finds out at the end that maybe he shouldn't. But then it kind of <laughs> at the very end, when they look at the young baby with the phone, then all of a sudden their fears start coming back. Yeah, they're like, like mortified. Yeah. Um, like I said, it plays both sides. I mean, <laughs> I mean, don't good movies do that? I mean, sometimes, you know, like they yeah, they show you, 
they're not really for one thing or for the other. They kind kind of like let it all happen, you know. And I think that's what this movie does well. Um, you know, you got people who like different things about it, you know. Um, I suppose the other thing we could argue about yours and mine, Nick, our like main complaint of there being too much is that it's not like life itself is necessarily super clean and that <laughs> here's where I'm going through my arc about accepting being old but yeah. now I'm also learning about how my documentary would be better if I yeah. collaborated or can you so say it's can like you, yeah. it's it's not necessarily framing itself as a slice of life even though it is life is now but <laughs> it's it I feel like it's somewhat of a valid I feel like that that argument has come up before where it's like it's not always clean it's not always here's this arc but I think you that's can... that's the endless debate I think with movies, especially yeah. these days, is there's this heightened awareness of the need to make movies more real, and people seem to always want like more realistic. And the term with 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 action movies is gritty. We want more gritty realism. We want it to be more like real life, relatable, and relatable. And I think you know the first person who would go why would be Tim. <laughs> be like why. Why the hell do I want that to be more gritty and realistic and like real life? It's Godzilla. Like, make it big and loud and crazy. And he kind of said the same thing about Avengers. He was like, why, why, did these, you know, why do you always need to make these characters relatable and, and, and have these very human moments and tie it into really like, why can't it just be fun and, and simple? Why can't it be heightened reality? Like, movies have always been for the last 80 years. And yeah. only recently we have this obsession with like, Make it real. Yeah. And I'm totally guilty of saying that sometimes. I know there's episodes in this podcast where I've said, you know, I like that it was a lot like real life or, oh, I wish it was more like it. And there will be yeah. more in the future for sure. But this movie is one of the ones where I didn't, I don't really want the messiness of life because I, I get that. I wake up and hit my alarm in the morning and I know there's going to be a little bit of messy life today, but that's fine. That's why I want to see the movie. I want to see, and I want this director for once to just like lock it down and make a tight, concise <laughs> I think it's so much that it's not about experiencing the life of these people, but it's more about like there somewhere there's a parable, there's a kernel of truth that we could get out of it, and we don't get it because of how messy it is, you know. Yeah, and and if his if I was to read an interview with Noah Baumbach that said my aim was to make a movie that reflected the kind of hectic nature, juggling nature of life, where he, Ben Stiller's trying to finish this movie, but he's also trying to deal with his wife and how they never had a kid. He's trying to deal with his father-in-law and this young guy who's stealing ideas. And if he said that was his aim, I'd respect it. Mission so, you accomplished. Know what? Yeah. Mission accomplished. You made that movie, but you could have made a way better movie. If you had just picked one of those and, and mm-hmm. just stuck to it, you would have made a really am- excellent movie. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because Ben Stiller's character, the whole damn movie has this crazy mess. And this other characters tell him like, bro, Cut that down. Like yeah. trim some of yeah, that out. Yeah, your six and a half hour film. Understand. Yeah. Under yeah. take criticism and collaborate. And I think there's not a there are no filmmakers that make it big by refusing to do that stuff. Because yeah. filmmaking by nature is a very collaborative process. Yeah, he and goes. It, uh, it takes a team. It takes an army to make a movie. And you you have these guys that that one in a million guy who like Gareth Edwards r- r- runs around with a crew of three people and makes a movie that people like. But man, is that. That's just a needle in a haystack, man. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it, we learned that. I mean, Lance, we had the same film production class together in, mm-hmm. in college. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the things we had to learn was that you need to be 
need to have fresh eyes look over it. Like he does, says to Charles Grodin, like, I need a second set of eyes to look Mm -hmm. at this thing and tell me what to cut. And I remember when I made my movie, Mm -hmm. he would be like, cut this part. You don't need it. I'd be like, but I like it. Yeah, right, right. And I filmed filmed it and I I wrote it and I like it and and I know what I went through. It's the Jaws story all over again. Spielberg fighting to keep the shark in the movie and the editor going, nope, screw you. Shark's gone. (laughs) And he was so mad. He was so mad because he fought for that and he... Fought to make it work, and he knew the heartache that went into making those scenes. And she's like, "Too bad they don't work. See ya." And that's the struggle, I think, with that. You know, we're, we read that every day in stories with Joss Whedon fighting with Marvel about this, mm-hmm. and, and Edgar Wright. And the, I mean, that's it's give and take. It's back and forth, yeah, by nature. And I think the fact that that message is kind of in this movie, and that and yet the movie couldn't do it, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Listen to your own advice, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Any final thoughts and spoiler Terry here? We're running a little long. I mean, there's there's so many good moments that I I think seeing it again, really, I think seeing it again and seeing it when you're older, maybe it may be way yeah. better. Yeah. I did I did want to ask you, Lance, because you you really like documentaries. You're the person I I know of all my friends. You're the one who likes and watches the I most documentaries. Yeah. Um, and what you know, I wanted to hear a little bit about what. You with that in mind, like, what did you think of like this with the and, like, conflict and, like, between yeah. Stiller and and like the truth versus like shaping yeah. reality a little bit yeah. and and you know I don't know. There's there's something in my heart that says tell the truth, but if it doesn't make a good film, you can't you can't do that. So I totally like I'm like you know you see Ben Stiller break down at that dinner table with all of them, and he's like, but no, he staged this. Admit it, you know, and like and then and then uh, Jamie's character is like. Jamie's like, well, I mean, just a little bit. He's like, he's like, well, I just staged this just a little bit. And like, but yeah. other than that, this was true. And it's like, I feel like, yeah, films—they're not real. You're not going to get close to telling a real story once you cut, once you show a close-up, once you, you know, take something out of context. You're not going to be able to tell anything real. But get as close to real as possible. I think is is what what I feel is good about documentaries. Um, lately documentaries, they've been dramatizing a lot of stuff, which I'm kind of over. Yeah. I want them to go back to, did you watch the jinx? Yeah. I've been watching the jinx. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I haven't finished a lot it, of, but, lot yeah. of dramatization. And yeah. Which I, th- which I believe you have to do in order to yeah. tell a visual story, but man, how stylized do you have to be yeah. to tell that story? Mm-hmm. You know, and like serial, you know, serial is a good is a good one where it's like they they add music and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It kind of manipulates you. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, kind of you raise a great point too. I mean, the minute you hit that trim tool and you mm-hmm. decide to take something out and and put things in an order you want, you are you are shaping it yeah. into a certain way. Very so. much. So. But I think yeah. the importance is there's people that actually pay attention to the fact mm-hmm. that they're towing the line of like I still need this to be real, but I also want to craft mm-hmm. what I think should really be taken away from it. Mm-hmm. I think those are the ones that really hit us. Those are the ones that are like, this is this is still getting to the truth of the matter, even though I'm taking a different route to get there than what the reality was. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Grodin's all about he's like, I don't think that really affects the film is like yeah. is what he says. And you know, that's part of I think the acceptance of what the Ben Stiller character needs to go through is kind of like this shouldn't be that important in my life. You know, yeah. I'm getting older. I want a kid. That's what should be in my life. And, you know, I guess if you wanted to end on the final line of the movie where he says they're not evil, they're just young, you know? And that's kind of what you have to 
come to realize, like, stop fighting. You know, they're not evil. Yeah. I read a great quote once and I don't, I absolutely cannot even begin to give credit to the, to where it was from because I don't remember it, but it was funny. Somebody's saying people have been saying kids these days for centuries. Yeah. Like every generation at some point is going to oh, kids these days. And, <laughs> and yet the world moves on and, yeah. and everybody's okay. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, but I mean, you also raise a good point when you talk about, uh, Jinx, the Jinx. The Jinx. I don't even yeah. know what you guys are talking about, but it's um, HBO. Robert Durst. He's he committed like a like a bunch of crimes, and he's allegedly. And it's all about yeah, allegedly. <laughs> and it's all about how like, like he keeps on yeah. getting away with it, and he he confronts this filmmaker named Andrew Drecke. Yeah, who and, who who uh, directed a film based on the events. Of, fiction film. Yeah, a fiction film based on the events of Robert Durst's supposed life. So when you say it's heavily dramatized, do you mean like there's like recreations or are they just... There's tons of recreations that they... And they I mean, yeah, that, that kind of like... They try to make you see how the crime was committed. But, you know, it's all... It's a lot. It's heavy. We're at yeah. a really weird point for documentaries too in that because the the huge advent of like reality TV I think makes a lot of people like think they want documentaries but then they watch like actual good ones and go like oh that's a little dull. <laughs> yeah, but right. it makes me worry that documentaries in the future are going to have like very like heavily staged pieces and like yeah. overly I don't like the stylized like that. Like reality TV even like thinking about the the amount of staging that goes on there yeah. too and just oh, the people, and, yeah, they, and they, people they, that are addicted to reality tv i don't think they even realize like yeah. everything you're watching is, is pr- predominantly fake yeah. yeah yeah it's not reality anymore yeah i wanted to touch on one more thing there was a point towards the end of the movie where during the cross cutting between charles groden and mm-hmm. uh jamie and josh jamie mm-hmm. and yash, yash that i was wondering if Charles Grodin's speech was going to align more with Jamie. Like, that's what I thought it was going to show. I thought that was how they were going to tip the hand instead of being at the table and having that argument ensue. And I said that to Nick, and then Nick was like, but Charles Grodin says something to Ben Stiller about, you know, how Josh is always, he, he believes in the speeches still. Like, he's still. He said that to Naomi Watts. Yeah. So Josh, Josh always believed, believed the speeches. And, like, and he even says when he, when he shows up, he's like, your speech was wonderful. Like, yeah. And that, like, I wanted to capture that point in this because that, to me, I was like, holy, well, yeah, it didn't necessarily play the the way that I was thinking it was going to, but it's absolutely where Charles Grodin's pretty clearly aligned with where Jamie's techniques are and, and and you know, Ben Stiller's kind of left in the wind of the idealism that he thinks his father-in-law actually is, wherein maybe he's not. Yeah, it's too bad we didn't capture that last night because the way the conversation... Yeah. Evolved was very beautiful because Alex, Alex said something like that, and then I, I said that to you. I'm like, remember Charles Gordon said though, Josh always, yeah. And you went, yeah, like yeah. your your mind was blown because you didn't even think about it. I don't remember how it came up, but yeah, it was that was a good scene too. And it's kind of it is kind of sad still too because Charles Gordon gives a really great speech from, totally. yeah. from what I remember because yeah. it's intercut with a bunch of other talking <laughs> and the um, music. Yeah, but James it was Murphy. Yeah, it was a good it was a good moment and he had some great lines and it was very very eloquently delivered by uh by uh, Charles Grodin and and when it and then he you know descended from the stage and I was like, "Oh, that was really nice, but it feels like a little bit of hogwash." But and as as an old man, he probably means some of it at this point. Yeah. He's but he's looking, on stage. He's, he's looking, talking to everybody. He's looking know, back so. on his life and he's yeah. probably a little bit like, "You know, those were some great times and you know, wonderful stories, etc." And he probably means more of it than he used to, but at the same time it's kind of interesting to think like, yeah, 
He said a lot of nice things in the past too, and yeah. in the back of his mind, it's like whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and it just goes to show you too, like making it be becoming famous like that. It takes sometimes it takes a certain presentation. Like Jamie clearly has an has an intrigue about him, and his his one line in, in Variety was really hysterical. Like or his Sundance uh-huh. quote with, "I'm a hipster. I'm of a certain age, and I wear tight jeans." That's I was like, said, I was like, yeah. that's a great quote actually. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a guy who's who's funny. He's self aware. He's quick. And yet he's not committing to like it, that's all like, great. And it reminds me of like it's early engaging persona. It reminds me of like early David Bowie when people talk about the way David Bowie was, and he very carefully designed the way he was and the way he appeared. And and there was a really hilarious thing I read where he would get er, he would get to interviews really early and try to sit in the most interesting par- part of the room and just stare and like wait to try to look. So someone walk in a room and go, oh, wow, look at him <laughs> there. And he's just seated in like a corner in a pool of light, just looking out the window, like contemplatively. <laughs> he's just sitting there like waiting. It's really funny. Such a Bowie thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. That's what we kind of say that kind of stuff now. Yeah. And that's kind of the way Jamie is, where he wants to make himself look a certain way. And he's got a little zoom control. He wants to make oh, himself. Oh, so funny. That was he wants so to make funny. Him, yeah. And he wants yeah. to make himself into this thing beyond almost larger than his movies. And Charles Grodin almost seemed that way at times. Like yeah. he, The name began to overshadow the work. It's interesting. So glad you mentioned Bowie because he's in this movie. He's uh, his song is, yeah. I should say. You heard it right. The yeah, so. the kids' song, the like the little lullaby in the beginning was "Golden Years" as played. Oh yeah, on yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. And that Which was, was good. The end. Yeah. It was in the credits, and I think it appeared somewhere else too. Yeah, yeah. at some point. But. What a what a good good use of song, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, very telling. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, we went a lot longer on this movie than I thought we oh, would. Yeah, but I think it was good. Keep good discussion. Good discussion. Yeah. Uh, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know what you thought of the discussion that we had or anything else about the show. Or Nancy, let us know that you're never listening again because Nick is a dick, but he's not. It was fine. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you, you want to stay tuned for my thoughts on Mad Max at, at the very least. <laughs> yes, next week, Mad Max. Finally, after all this time. We're going to try real hard to get a Mad Max retrospective out this weekend. If it doesn't happen this weekend, I hope to God it does. But if it doesn't, it'll be out very soon. So you may want to like wait and listen to that before you listen to next week's show but uh at mfn podcast on instagram and twitter search for midwest film there's podcast on facebook and vine we are in stitcher uh the stitcher radio app we're also on itunes of course please go and rate and review us on there i haven't said that in a while but it does help us quite a bit um midwestfilmnerds.com has all of our previous 126 plus bonus episodes and full show notes including timestamps timestamps so you can skip through the nerd drivel and the spoilers if you wish and uh please partake in our summer movie wager there's a there's a summer movie wager 2015 post on midwestfilmnerds.com or on our facebook or you can go to bit.ly slash mfnsmw15 and check it all out there I think that's about it. 248-7335-MFN, which is 248-7335-636. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. We might play it on the show and talk about it. And Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can purchase things on Amazon. And part of your purchase will come to us so we can make our show and network better. Lance, thank you for joining. Thank you. Thanks for having me. As always. As always. Yes. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you again soon. I'm yes. sure we will. Yeah. You have a review for Spring that I still haven't posted on the uh, goddamn website. Everybody, go see Spring. Well, you can't see it because it's not in theaters, <laughs> but um, you need to on-demand that shit now. Go. Is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon. Okay. And it's on Vimeo. All right. And uh, pretty soon it's going to be a Best Buy exclusive 
for um, Blu-ray. All right. So check it out. It's a great film. Check that out. His review. Monsters are in it. I love monsters. (laughs) I'm going to pledge to have that posted this week. So please come check that out as well. Uh, Kyle XY. Go watch a movie.